Welcome to Midnight Breakfast Cafe, where three pals in different time zones talk about food, pop culture, and other nonsense. I'm Stacy. I'm Tracy. I'm Natalie. So this is the October edition. So we should talk about spooky stuff. Yeah. But not too scary, please, because I'm not really good with horror. Yeah, I made you guys watch a lot of horror movies when we all live together. Well, thankfully, you never chose anything too scary, Tracy. Uh, but when I was a kid, I was actually, I was a scaredy cat. I was more easily scared than the average kid, I would say. So it's really strange to me that I now am such a horror movie fan. It's almost in direct opposition to the fact that when I was a kid, like, even the covers of the videos at the video store were like a minefield of things that would give me nightmares. Did you watch Chucky as a kid? No, I was so scared of all those little beastie movies. Like, Chucky in particular, I thought he made me scared of other dolls that were not Chucky. Oh no, that's terrible. I feel like there's, like, there's, like, scary movies that are outlandish that I can separate, and then I'm fine. And there's scary movies that are too close to home. And, like, Chucky's too close to home because you're like, I know what a doll is. Dolls are part (laughs) of my life. This could happen. But, like... There are other movies, like, they go into a cabin in the woods, and then you're like, that's fine. I'm just never going to go camping, and I will be okay. Yeah, I think horror, in my opinion, can be divided into two main camps. There's gore, and then there's truly, like, scary horror. Like a more psychological element? Yes. Mm. Or, you know, like, it's scary because you're, like you said, it's psychological. You're worried that something like this could happen to you. And they scare you based on the movie or the mood setting. And, you know, there's less gore. So, for instance, Texas Chainsaw would be gore. For me, it's like, this could happen. So that's category one. This could happen. Category two is, these people are idiots. (laughs) That's also another reason I'm not a big fan of horror movies. Because so much of it depends on the characters being idiots. Okay, so in the this could happen category, couldn't the people also be idiots in that category? Or is it more like these people did their best, but it still happened to them? So there's like, these people are idiots and they unleashed a virus onto the world. And that is like things that I'm scared of because that could happen. And then there's, you know, we decided to go camping in the woods and then we decided to split up. Yeah, for me, my pet peeve is like, there's somebody who's trying to stab you in your house and you run upstairs. Have you seen Don't Breathe? They get into a house The guy is a psycho ex-military killer person. Some of them get out of the house, and then they decide to go back into the house. Why? Because they gotta rescue their friend. And then you're like, no, no, everyone's dead. Like, don't worry about it. It's fine. That's kind of a good reason. I mean, like, if you think your friend might still be alive, it's honorable to go back and save them. Are they really that close? What about Lights Out? Because that one looked also really scary from the trailer. Oh, I didn't like that movie. I am still traumatized by this movie. Uh Uh-oh. So, um, the monster is, you know, like, she's like this scary, skinny, black, smoky figure. And she has, like, really long hands. Yeah, she can only get you when the lights are out. And then, but she can turn off lights. (gasps) What? So after I watched this movie, I was like, I'm fine, whatever, I can watch scary movies. And then like a week later, I had to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. And then you're trying to do your business. And then you're like, I know she's sitting in the bathtub. 
I know no. she's sitting in the bathtub, oh. and all she has to do is reach out and pull back the curtain. Like, I can feel her there. I think you need to remove your bathtub. <laughs> this reminds me, when I was a kid, the scariest thing that haunted me through my childhood was the the myth, the urban legend of Bloody Mary. Did you guys have Bloody Mary when you were kids? Yeah. No, because I did not grow up in the States. <laughs> if you don't know Bloody Mary, this is like a game you play at sleepovers where, I don't know, Bloody Mary lives in the mirror, I guess. And if you turn the lights out and say Bloody Mary three times, she will come out. And I don't even know what she was supposed to do. It didn't matter. It was so scary that she was going to come out. So I did this at a sleepover and my friends locked the door on me. Oh, <gasps> no. And I forgot for some reason that it was even possible to turn the lights on. I was just like clawing on the door like a maniac. How old were you? Oh, not even that young. It was like 12 years old. So I should have maybe been too old for this, but at the same time, like, I could not be in a room with a mirror and the lights out for, like, years after that. I actually read about Bloody Mary in novels, and so I actually tried it by myself at home. No! But nothing happened, and I was, like, kind of disappointed, like, did I do something wrong? Nothing's happening. (laughs) You're a ballsy child. Yeah, I don't know, as a kid... I was kind of hard to scare because I didn't believe in anything. I was scared of everything. (laughs) I was an extremely skeptical child. So were you doing this in kind of in hopes that it would happen? Like it would be something magical that would actually work? Or were you like, this is bullshit and I'll prove it? It was more like a scientific experiment in a way. Like I forgot which book I had read about it exactly, but I just remember reading about how these girls were playing Bloody Mary, and then they were screaming, it was scary, and it was like a big deal. So I was just like, well, in order to actually understand this, and this seems to be a rite of passage for so many Western girls, I need to try this, I need to understand. So I did the experiment, and I was just kind of like, I don't know what they're screaming about now. Yeah, I think it's that whole group panic that really plays into it. And actually, I've read about it, and apparently... If you do stare at a mirror in the dark for long enough, it will look like your own face is distorting. And that is the optical illusion that maybe invented this. But you really have to, if you're not into it, if you're too scared to even look at the mirror for more than a second, then it's not going to work. I think that's probably exactly what it is. And have you ever seen that GIF? It's a woman who, basically to demonstrate the importance of lighting, it's her face in the dark with a source of light rotating around her face. Mm, And basically, it just shows you how when your source of light shifts, your face can look drastically different, even though it's the same face. I think I did it when I was seven or eight with, like, my best friend at the time. And we did it, like, late afternoon, probably during the summer sometime. And we just, like, went into the bathroom, the one, like, without a window, and, like, closed the door and tried to do it. And I was terrified. Uh Aw. Well, you're like, it could totally happen. Here we are in the dark. So, Stacy, was there anything that scared you when you were around this age? Like a similar level of urban legends? No, because I didn't know any urban legends. Oh, okay. I guess this is interesting to me because I would say that of our group, you're probably the most afraid of horror movies, whereas I was a scaredy child. And I probably, of our group, am most into horror movies. No, that's a very good point. Because the thing is, like, when I'm watching a horror movie, I know logically that all of this is just fiction. Like, it's not going to hurt me once the movie ends. 
But at the same time, part of watching the movie, it's, you know, immersing yourself in the story while it's happening. And I do think I am somebody who is particularly sensitive to being um, acted upon by the ambience of the film, like the background music, the lighting, and so Mm -hmm. on. So why are you so scared of horror movies? Like, is it in the moment that you're scared of them? Or is it like the consequences of a horror movie have made you scared of them? Like nightmares? No, I I rarely have nightmares from horror movies. And even when I'm having those nightmares, I kind of like know it's like, oh, I'm having a nightmare. And this nightmare is exactly the same as that movie I was watching the other day. I think it's just that in the moment of the movie, I intensely dislike that feeling of discomfort. I think a lot of horror movies, they're kind of pornographic in the way that they portray like the horror, basically the injury, the damage to the body and all those consequences. Like in a way, it's like just they want the audience to revel in the grotesque and the pain. Yeah, actually, when I first started watching horror movies, I was very anti-gore. Like, I never wanted there to be any gore, pretty much. I was like, that's where I draw the line. But now that I've watched a lot, it's sort of become like, like, it's a moment in which I am totally removed from the world of the movie and in which I am only appreciating it from an artistic standpoint, which sounds so gross. But like, sometimes you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, that was a creative kill. Nice job, guys. (laughs) You're just impressed with it from like a technical level and those are some of my favorite horror movies now where it's like they use practical effects to create something really bizarre and kind of gross even if it's bad to look at like in that moment you're just like oh that's creative I like that. <laughs> Tracy do you think like for you horror movies are like purgative or purging you know like how tragedy like you, you go and watch a tragedy and you cry your eyes out and then you go out and feel better about life because like all the emotional gunk has been like washed clean yeah i think there's for me an element of having confronted something that i thought was too much but it turns out it wasn't too much and in fact it was fun or good in some way that was not merely i guess soul wrenching like another thing i was thinking about in terms of me as a scaredy child was when i first went to disney world i had like seen promotional materials for disney world and i was big into the idea of the haunted mansion And so we went to the Haunted Mansion, and I don't know if you guys have been, but, like, the lead-up to the Haunted Mansion is, in my mind, the scariest part. Like, you go in there, and there's the creepy music playing, and you're going in doors and hallways, and there's the creepy stretching room. And so, uh, long story short, I had my eyes glued shut before we even sat down for the ride, and they stayed closed for the entirety of the ride. I did not see the Haunted Mansion (laughs) at all. I merely heard its many spooky noises. (laughs) So... This humiliated me. So I was like, if I ever go back to Disney World, this is never happening to me again. And sure enough, at one point we did go back and I was like a cavalier child at this point. I wasn't going to let this scare me a second time. And the lead up to it was spooky. But like as soon as you get in and you start actually being on the ride, you realize it's all funny. Like the Haunted Mansion is supposed to be funny. They're all gags. Like all the ghosts are friendly. The song that they're singing is about how the ghosts love to party. It's just not a scary ride. (laughs) And so, like, this was a totally cathartic experience for me because it took something that, when it was only in my imagination, was horrifying. And it taught me that when it actually gets to be experienced in its fullness, it's not so bad. And it is, in fact, fun. 
So this is now what I'm looking for in a horror movie. It's something that on the outside looks like just unbearably awful. But when you get into it, it's like, oh, but there's good times to be had in here. I like it. Yes, but I don't think anybody like gets has their guts spilling out of their bodies in the Haunted Mansion ride. So my sisters and I went to Disneyland last year, but they had made it like half Haunted Mansion and half like Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, they do that every year around Christmas time. Oh, okay. But like, so I didn't get like the storyline that you have because it was just kind of like they put a bunch of stuff on top of stuff and you're like, okay, okay. And then I was like a little bit nervous that like my youngest sister wouldn't be able to handle it because, you know, you can kind of feel the person next to you tense up and you're like, uh oh, uh oh. And then, um, we got into the stretchy room and I, I think it must be like an elevator. And then we got into the cars and then we got like maybe a minute, two minutes into the ride when the cars stopped. So you're just like in front of the same part of the ride and you can see that it loops. <laughs> it has like a two or three minute loop. You know, like in the first 30 seconds, it's kind of scary. You're like, what happened here? And then they ended up like turning on the lights and they're like, please stay in the vehicle. We are having oh, no. technical difficulties. Please stay in your car. Do not get out of your, you know. So that was ruined forever. Yeah, it's like the curtain being drawn back. Stacey, have you been to Disneyland or Disney World? I've never been to Disneyland, but I've been to Disney World twice. Is there like a little train in Disney World that like goes through time? Goes through time? No, so there's like a little train in Disneyland that it like just takes you through the park and you can get on and get off. But before you get, I think it goes from like Tomorrowland back to Main Street. And then to do that, you have to travel through time. Oh. And then basically you just drive through a bunch of sets. And, like, the only set I remember is, like, the Dinosaurs Dying set, which I found terrifying as a small child. And I would always hide my face in, like, my mom's lap when we were going through it. Because first you see, like, the dinosaurs are happy. And then it's all, like, green and there's foliage. And then, then it's, like, and then you, like, go into another time where... All the dinosaurs are dying, and there's like only a little bit of water left. They probably like ripped off Fantasia. It sounds for this. horrific, and you know, traumatizing to a young child, especially one who's watched the land before time. <laughs> oh yeah. One thing I would not do, I would not go to one of these horror nights at the park where they turn all the rides into haunted houses, and they uh, have like people running at you with chainsaws while you're trying to get an ice cream cone. Yeah. Oh. I've been to those. You have? Dang, where did you go? Oh, I went to Knott's Berry Farm. So during October, Knott's Berry Farm turns into Knott's Scary Farm. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And when you're waiting in line, they just put up a lot of what looks like a garden terrace or a garden trellis. And then they cover it with like tissue paper and um, spider webs. And then so while you're waiting in line... Occasionally, a guy will just stick his hand through uh, the tissue paper and, like, yell and, like, shake a bell. And <laughs> as a 15-year-old, I found this absolutely terrifying. But they also run all the roller coasters backwards. Our 
are there any scenes of non-horror movies that terrified you as a child? Mufasa dying. Yeah, I suppose the stampede itself was scary. Like, I didn't like the idea of little Simba being trampled, but, like, uh, by the time Mufasa died, I was just like, oh no, that's more sad to me. But, like, the idea of being tossed off the edge of a cliff into a stampede is pretty, like, viscerally scary. Like, it gives me a sense of vertigo that I don't like. <laughs> it's also kind of like he died defending his son. Yeah. And you kind of understand that justice doesn't re- always exist. Right. When I was a kid and I would watch Sesame Street, they did that bit that was like monster piece theater, where it was like they would do a you know, a parody version of some old story. But, like, something about the setup of the Monsterpiece Theater bits was very, like, it was supposed to be making fun of that, like, over-serious, like, uh, the guy who sits in the chair and just narrates to you from his, like, stuffy gallery. I found those scenes terrifying. I don't know why, but, like, I was always like, why did Sesame Street get so dark and serious all of a sudden? And it was, like, (laughs) only for two seconds as they set up on their next gag, but it was, like, that really scared me. And my mom never understood that. I remember, like, I would wake up in the morning early to watch this. And then I would just be, like, crying, waking her up. And she's like, what's wrong? What did you see? And I was like, it was Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember um, the animated Batman that they had in the 90s? Yeah. So I was terrified of the penguin. (gasps) Yeah. (gasps) I was scared of the penguin in the movie, but Batman Returns. Me too. Maybe there was that too, but for a while I was convinced that he lived in my garage. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really adorable. But I, it's weird because all three of us have this penguin thing, and the penguin is one of the doofiest Batman villains. Like you could say that Two-Face is scary or the Joker is scary, but the penguin is like, we all should have known better. <laughs> It's more of a, when you grow up, you realize that the Joker or Two-Face are scarier because these are characters that could infiltrate the crowd and humanity. But the Penguin, like as a kid, he's like this half-formed being who lives in the sewer and he's like all shadows and... He looks more grotesque. He's like, he's kind of an amalgamation of all the horrible things that collect in the sewers. Well, like, when I was a kid, I had never watched Batman Returns, or probably any of the Batman movies at this point. And I was at, like, a circus or something, where the pre-show was they were showing that movie for some reason. And (laughs) there's a scene in that movie where the penguin bites this guy's nose, and it's blood everywhere. Oh. Oh my god. And so I was terrified of this scene, and I was like, okay, that's a horrifying movie, and I'm never gonna watch it again. But when I was much older, I watched it again. And this scene is definitely played for laughs. Like, it's not a scary scene. He bites this guy's nose and there's a little bit of blood, but, like, there's this goofy music playing and there's all these other hijinks happening. As a kid, I was like, oh my god, he bit the man's nose. This is the worst villain that there could be. I mean, I think it's just that you're scared of different things when you're a child. Yeah, for sure. I really also was terrified of the life-sucking machine in The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. Well, just like the idea of someone taking bits of your life away. And also like in the never ending story where he makes wishes, but he loses memories. That's the sequel. Oh, really? He's like wishing for spikes to climb a wall. Yes. We had them on the same VHS. 
I did find the never-ending story of the first one, at least, to be quite scary. Uh, it's got the whole swamp of sadness, but it's more sad than scary, but it puts you in a weird mood for the rest of the movie. Yeah, the scary wolf and the part where he's got to go through the, uh, what's it, the test courage thing with the two angel faces. Once again, that's one thing where I didn't quite understand the rules, or at least I felt like if I had been there, I wouldn't have understood the rules well enough. So I'm like, okay, so I go through, but what? I've got to keep my brain pure? How can I keep my brain pure? That's like saying, don't think of an elephant. <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like this is something that makes more sense in the book, but in the movie, because they can't actually show you his thought process. You just have to accept that he somehow miraculously passed. But this, this idea is like, I know you're scared, but you're not allowed to feel scared while you're walking through like the two finkses. And it's like, how can I control what I feel? I can control how I act on my feelings, but I can't control my actual feelings. <laughs> Like, I guess I was scared of things that I could imagine them happening to me, like, physically. I remember there was this one scene. This was in a Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure book. There was a scene where you get stuck in, like, ancient Egypt. And this is, like, a bad end. You know how Choose Your Own Adventure books go. You mostly die. Yeah. You get trapped in a place where they're making corpses into mummies, basically. And, like, even this premise, like, the idea you're about to be made into a mummy, that's scary. But they went into detail about, like, what this entailed, which is, like, where they stick the thing up your nose and scramble your brain. Ugh. Ugh. Did you read the Magic Treehouse series when you were a kid? Maybe, like, two of them, but there was, like, a million, right? Yeah, but there's also, like, mummies before midnight or mummies after dark or, like, there's oh. a mummy book and they also go into the mummification process. Why do they do that to children? They don't need to know. They're just like, you know what they do? They wrap them in toilet paper. Isn't that fanciful? <laughs> but then are you like, do you feel like lied to when you get a little bit older? No. I just be like, oh, they were protecting me. But I do, I appreciate the idea that some kids have like a morbid curiosity about things and that would really catch their fancy and might make them really interested in ancient Egypt or in like the concepts of death rituals. So I don't want all kids to be protected from, I guess, everything. But as a kid, this certainly was upsetting to me in a way that stuck with me. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I was told that if I ran away, a man would, like, make me into a, the barbecue pork buns. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's very common story told by Chinese parents to their children. Yeah. And then you're like, you know, this could happen there are serial killers out there. Like, this is like Sweeney Todd. <laughs> this is what we should do, is make a movie about the barbecue pork bun man. <laughs> I feel like also you have to show this barbecue pork bun man being like, no, 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 this, this is a good child. I can't do anything to this child. But would it be like a comedy? Like, how would... How, I can't think of this without it being, like, kitschy. It would be funny. The thing would have to be, like, the parents invented it somehow, and it became real. So it's like, maybe it would be like Cabin in the Woods where it starts with the barbecue pork bun man, but then like all the horrific stories that get told to children, like just to creep them out so they don't do anything wrong, like start coming to life. Or it could be like a kid who somehow got separated from his parents and then had to grow up by himself. And he kind of went mad and turned himself into the barbecue pork bun man. I kind of want to have the barbecue pork bun man fight monsters with a cleaver. 
Maybe that's like the third act twist is that like he's actually not so bad. It's the other monsters you have to worry about. So he turns onto the side of the children. Or it could just be like Jason versus Freddy. You got to put like pit him against another franchise monster. Well, it's kind of like the barbecue pork man just wants to kill children and make pork buns. But like this fool over there wants to end the world. Well, he needs a constant source of children. Like he's invested in continuation of children populating the world so that he can kill them yes he's like bad santa like really really bad santa (laughs) i just want there to be a scene where someone tries to explain to him the meaning of the word pork and he's like i I don't know what you're talking about i'm the barbecue pork (laughs) man and i use children (laughs) maybe he really likes pigs maybe he has a pet pig Maybe he was raised by pigs in the wilderness. So does he have, like, a cute pig companion, or is he, like, surrounded by demonic pigs? I think he should be cute, but also demonic. What if he targets children who litter? I don't know, man. I feel like nobody needs that many pork buns. (laughs) If you just went after children who littered. Is he eating them, or is he selling them? Is it, like, a Sweeney Todd scenario, or... I think he sells them, and he has, like, a Cantonese dim sum shop with, like, the hanging ducks in the window. So he has to at least be able to masquerade as a normal dude. Well, I don't know. Like, a lot of people in Chinatown are really grumpy. Yeah, they're doing you a very big favor by agreeing to sell this to you. Yes. (laughs) So he could be curmudgeon-y, but, like, they're all kind of curmudgeon-y. Sorry, my movie studio doesn't greenlight horror movies. I only greenlight charming animal escapades. Well, we can split it into two movies. You'll have the demon pigs in yours, then it will turn out that the demon pigs are real charming and they only want to play and stuff, but then the pork bun man will be in my movie where he can terrorize children. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he needs to be taken down by children, not by, like, teenagers. I like horror movies where the... The protagonists who have been terrorized for the first part of the movie get their payback. They either get to defeat the beast or they get to fix the situation some other way. I'm imagining like a Stranger Things crew. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen the new It yet, but maybe it's sort of the same as that, where one of them gets picked off by the pork bun man and they're like, this will not happen to the rest of us. And they have to, you know, fight back. So is is the kid who gets taken, is he okay? Or is he, like, hanging in a meat locker somewhere upside down? I think if you want it to be, like, an all-ages Goonies kind of thing, he has to be okay. But if you want it to be a little more Stephen King, then he's gone. I think based on Chinese culture, that kid is gone. And the kids <laughs> find out because one of them is eating a pork bun, and then they f- something's chewy, so he opens it up and sees, like, it's a toe or something. No! Uh... And based on, like, the placement of a mole, he's like, no, this is the toe of my best friend. <laughs> no. I, I think it should be, like, he finds a piece of paper, so it's like a fortune cookie meat bun, and it's like, help, I'm trapped. <laughs> yes, but fortune cookies are American. Well, you know what I mean, like, that somehow he was able to sneak a piece of paper, because, like, a toe cannot survive a meat grinder or, like, mincing, and I I want this to be, like, you know, pork bun man is an adequate chef, and an adequate chef would never, like, a toe would never sneak through. So how do we defeat the pork bun man in the end? He could get eaten by pigs. 
That was the same thing I was thinking, but it was too dark. <laughs> How are you going to have the pigs turn on him in that way? I like to think the pigs are his friends and they would only defend him in his hour of need. Because he wasn't oh. eating them. Yes. Maybe he, even though this is actually grosser, I like the idea of him falling into like a big ambiguous vat that probably contains like chemicals or a grinder or something. But all you see is him toppling over the balcony. It's like, oh, terrible sound. So basically, it's just like Hansel and Gretel. Or Mrs. Lovett from Sweeney Todd. I don't know. Or he could just kind of get taken away by magical police. Magical police. So, you know, like in Scott Pilgrim, there's like the vegan police. Yeah. (laughs) There are so few horror movies where the beast is arrested. Can you imagine if It Follows got arrested at the end of that movie? (laughs) Just like, you've been creeping on these people for long enough. And I don't know how you get places from just walking, but I don't think you can get out of a jail cell so easily. So come on. Stacy, would you would your production company be willing to do the origin story of the barbecue pork man? No. Lighthearted animal escapades. No, it's like Babe, you know, where he has like a deep friendship with a pig and there's only dark inklings, you know, of his <laughs> future. But it ends begins and ends with like a joyful animal rescue? I don't know. Maybe. I would I would have to be, read a script first. I do like the idea of a, a children's movie about, like, demons, basically. But, like, they show that the demons are just regular cute animals. Like, they don't have any malice in them. It's just that they were born into a weird scenario. But they just want to have, like, Studio Ghibli-style adventures in the wilderness and, you know, make friends and eat delicious food. And then maybe they're called upon to do something horrific in the end, and they're like, no. We live in that jaunty lifestyle. We don't need any of that. Or they could have been corrupted by humans. Yeah. Like, they themselves are not malicious, but, like, once a human has come among them with malicious thoughts, they get corrupted. I like the idea of them having a human friend, though. Maybe good humans are okay for them. They just can't be around malicious humans. I feel like this is just basically cannibalistic Princess Mononoke at this point. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do you remember the the Avatar? the last airbender episode where it's like four short stories so stacy would you be willing to do that where we have our horror film but then you get like four short vignettes of pork bun man doing his daily business with his demon pigs i don't know just knowing that you know he's gonna grow up to be pork bun man and cannibalizing little children i'm just kind of like do i really want to associate my hypothetical movie studio with him Hmm. I think it's more like the demon pigs from your movie should make a cameo into Pork Bun Man's story, but Pork Bun Man does not cross into Demon Pig's story. Like Minions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe that, but yeah, it's exactly like Minions. Stacey, <laughs> <laughs> so, so would you be okay with that? <laughs> I would lend you my demon pigs. I- I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot worse about this idea now that we've determined it's just Minions. Maybe it's like, you know, a demon pig rebels against his family life and decides to seek a new life in the city. Yeah, this demon pig in the city. (laughs) Yes, but the thing is, this demon pig is probably going to be drawn by computers and not acted by an actual pig, which runs counter to the core principles of my movie studio. Stacey, it's your movie studio. Put a pig. Why can't it just be a pig with, like, goth eye makeup? 
That's exactly what it is. He's got like little horns on his head, but he's still just a pig. Okay, good. No CGI pigs from my movie studio. Um, do we have any recommendations? Well, I recently read a book that you recommended, Tracy, called Uprooted by Naomi Novik. It was it was pretty good. I actually, after I read it, I went out and I bought a copy, and I'm like halfway through rereading it, which never happens. Like, I never pick up a book, finish reading it, and then decide that I want to read it again. That's how good it is. My recommendations are the Japanese anime version of Anne of Green Gables. Ah. So lately... Andy has finally started reading Anne of Green Gables, and he's finished it. And so now he's actually watching the Megan Follows TV adaptations of the book, which are very charming. But I myself personally think that the best adaptation has always been the anime from the 70s, especially the scene where Anne breaks the slate over Gilbert's head for calling her carrots. That is the best version of the slate breaking I've ever seen, <laughs> as only anime children can do it um i guess i will recommend blade runner 2049 which is in my mind the superior blade runner um i know that blade runner is a cult classic but it's also a real boring movie it's just got a lot of visual (laughs) delights and talking and talking and talking about stuff that is okay to hear about but it's got like three really good scenes just watch like the tears in the rain scene on youtube and maybe you can skip the rest but blade runner 2049 (laughs) has a lot of the same qualities in terms of cool sci-fi atmosphere, uh, dystopian cityscapes, and concepts of, you know, who is even a real thing? But it's also not as boring. I'm not going to say it's 0% boring. It's kind of drags because it's so long, but it's just a lot more of a concise plot and a cool storyline. Well, is Harrison Ford like a more interesting character than he was just like a grump grump the last time? No. Never is. I don't like Harrison Ford (laughs) appearing in my sequels. Just let it be a sequel, Harrison Ford. Thanks for listening to Midnight Breakfast Cafe. To get the latest episodes, you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Or follow us on Twitter at MBC Podcast. You can find more episodes of this show at midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com. If you're enjoying this show, please like and review us on iTunes. It helps new listeners find us. Happy breakfast and brunch, everyone.